All right, so welcome back to Cracks in Postmodernity. Today we have River Page, who is a writer who's published with American Affairs, Boston Globe, Compact, and he hosts his own Substack. River, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. So we're gonna get a little bit into the midterm elections that just happened this past week. But before we do that, can you just give people a sense of your political orientation, some of your, uh, your background with politics in general? Yeah, I mean, uh, I started writing for Twink Revolution, which was a yes. podcast which I didn't host, but um, that got turned into a, um, a an online magazine. And about three years ago, I made a post saying, "Like, haha, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna write an article called Getting DP in the Age of Loneliness.' If anybody wants to publish it, as like a joke, I had like 80 followers on Twitter, and one of the guys from Twink Rev uh, reached out to me and. I was like, oh shit, I have to actually like write this now. <laughs> I didn't actually have a take, but I kind of made one up and I was like, yeah, this seems right. Um, did it in a night. Um, and then it kind of went semi-viral. I got docs on the polyamory subreddit. Um, and that's how I sort of started my writing career. Um, and, you know, since then, I, I, at TwinkRev, I eventually became like a contributing editor there. And sort of like built up an audience for the site that was a lot different than the podcast listenership, which was like gay leftists. Mm -hmm. um, I've been told that I write like a reactionary, <laughs> um, but I'm not really right wing. Um, people, when I was writing for Twinkra, they were like, you're not a Marxist. And eventually I was like, yeah, you're probably right. But I do think like the materialist viewpoint is useful. It's usually the one I take. Um, a lot of the stuff I've written about is about, you know, class, um, sort of regionalism, how that interacts with like politics, economics, and culture. Um, and yeah, um, like I said, I, a lot of the places I publish with are more right-wing because that's who sort of embraced my writing early on, even when I was writing for a, a gay communist <laughs> website. Um, I don't really know why. I, I guess it's just because of my sort of acidic, semi-apocalyptic style because <laughs> I, I grew up with you know evangelical i was like reading the book of revelations when most people were reading like sleepy dog or whatever and so i just have this like sort of flair for the um for the disaster and the allegory and um all of that and i guess that attracts a certain readership but i've also published at sort of like liberal places like the boston globe too um compact it's like you know heterodox whatever mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know i mean my politics are sort of a mix i voted for Bernie. Um, I voted for DeSantis this time around because I just wow. bring myself to vote for Charlie Chris. Um, Cause he's, he just has no beliefs whatsoever. I'm like, at least I know what I'm getting into with DeSantis. Um, but then I like voted for the Democrat over Marco Rubio because Marco Rubio is just like a warmonger and a narcissist, like an ethnic narcissist who just wants us to, you know, starve Cuba and Venezuela. And, I don't know. I just don't really care for that. Mm -hmm. um, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a mixed bag <laughs> with me, yeah. I guess. Mm, what do you make of the new categories? Or I mean, like semi new, like their bag leftists and the new right and all this kind of like internet stuff that's going around. Yeah, I mean, I've been like associated with sort of both of those groups on the fringes yeah. and especially like the post left which i always hated but that i got labeled that a lot um especially early on um i don't know i mean i i think that like the whole dirtbag left thing is like kind of lost its relevance 
at this point because all those people have either just become complete libtards or they become right wing except for i guess chapo they're still kind of doing the same sort of thing they were always doing i guess a little bit but they're you know i mean i don't know i've never had a problem with any of them um some of their like fan base i find annoying um as for the new right i had some hopes for it at the beginning i was like well you know if somebody has to actually represent like a working class politics in this country a sort of like tepid social democracy if it's not going to be the democrats i guess it's better for it to be the republicans than to be nobody and but i i don't really i'm not really sold on um their commitment to that yet and i i find some of the catholic sanctimony to be a bit grating um as i feel like it's very it's very much going into like a cultural war direction and they're losing a lot of people in that process um you know they're becoming more like mike pence with a trump attitude which is i don't think anybody ever really wanted that uh, i think of what a lot of people liked about trump is that he wasn't a you know christian <laughs> fundamentalist um yeah. but yeah yeah i mean i think there's something to the the new right thing because did you see in compact sorab's um what was it called it was some article basically about him attending some like labor union convention with all these leftists and he was saying you know like people from the like the new right have so much in common with like the labor left if only they would drop all this identity politics stuff and like the the neoliberal kind of um you know liberty of whatever lifestyle kind of thing um but basically yeah it was like an outline for how like the new right could can can collaborate with more traditional leftist sympathies well i think it depends on who you're talking about you know i because someone who's in like a teacher's union in new york is not going to have the same politics as like my brother who's like a lineman mm-hmm. in texas even though they're both in labor union you know what i mean i i think like and it's and i guess maybe that is like the cultural politics but that can be i don't even know if it's the cultural politics that would be the breaking point i think it's just like a communication issue i don't know from some of the white collar unions it's i just feel like their entire political project at times has just devolved into a sort of identitarian thing um and it's not really about just like winning like a good contract anymore and um the blue the blue collar unions like they don't really have that option you know what i mean like they don't it, they actually have to focus on like maintaining some semblance of like middle class prosperity within you know the trades <laughs> and stuff and um yeah but do you think that like do you think more white collar unions could recover a more like realistic down-to-earth understanding of unions uh maybe uh i think it depends on like how bad things get for them you know what i mean like Mm. you, you don't think so I don't know. I mean, I just, I found what, like, Amari was saying in the piece was very compelling. So he's like, okay, there is a similar interest in, like, the dignity of the worker, um, mm-hmm. the rights of laborers, whatever. And yeah, like, I think on the left, they got to chill with the whole identity stuff because it's a distraction. Like, it's a very bourgeois, neoliberal kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and if people on the right and left could collaborate on this level, I mean, that would be very powerful. But Again, yeah. I think they have to chill with the identity stuff. And then on the right, they have to come down with the, you know, the religious culture war kind of stuff. Like there's so much middle ground that's mm-hmm. both concrete and practical. If we prioritize that, then like, again, something real could happen. 
I think it could, but you, you're going to have to overcome the last 50 years of leftism. I mean, the new left really was in some ways formed in opposition to the sort of like labor left, you know, mm -hmm. making the revolution, revolutionary subject the student instead of the worker. I mean, that was, you know, a big, <laughs> that was a big part of it. And, um, you know, if those students grow up to be in any kind of union, it's, you know, going to be a white collar union. So um, I think there's, you, there's going to be some struggle in that, I think. Um, and I think it's not impossible, but the culture of um, sort of rigidity, I think, um, in like the, the sort of PMC is going to have to soften the, you know, being offended at every little thing. And, um, you know, this even issues maybe like the trans issue or the like, um, I, I guess abortion maybe wouldn't be as big of an issue because I don't really see how that, but you know, you would have to be able to work with people who maybe don't hold the most enlightened attitudes towards like trans people or immigrants. I think the immigration thing is a big, that's going to be a big thing um, because a lot of the, you know, blue collar unions construction, especially, you know, they take the old left line that immigration weakens the labor movement. And, you know, for blue collar people, you know, that is, that is kind of true. And I don't know if, um, you know, that, that would be, have to be something that the, the white collar unions would have to, to deal, to accept and to deal with. Um, so, but yeah. I mean, I, I wish them the best. I mean, I think, you know, it would be great if we could have a little bit better distribution of wealth and a, a little bit more worker power um because i think that's it's had deleterious effects for the whole society ever since you know it started eroding in the 70s yeah and i mean from just like hearing what you're saying it's a reminder that it's easier said than done to kind of like overlook these cultural issues because they're not just cultural issues like they're deep they're like it reflects some, like, I think an existential crisis that we all face. Like, we attach ourselves to these cultural issues. We use them as this kind of signal of our belonging to some kind of group, some kind of tribe, because we don't really have anything anymore. Like, ethnic identity is kind of, you know, withering away for most people, at least like second, third generation, whatever. But also, like, religious, spiritual kind of belonging convictions are not as prominent. So now, it's these culture war issues that become my identity, my tribe. Um, so again, I, I still think that labor work, they're much more concrete issues than the trans, the abortion, whatever. But no, like I understand that it's gonna be hard for people to get past that because this is all we have. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have to be that way though. Like I think if we kind of look at the kind of, the way we're projecting these existential, you know, the despair, the anxiety, then we would understand like, okay, there's more to it than just, you know, I am pro-choice, I am trans, whatever the issue may be. Mm -hmm. um, but that's going to take like a serial, a serious, like personal work. Like we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and like really ask, okay, what are we living for? What are we doing with our lives? And again, that's easier said than done, but. Um, right. Yeah. Um, but on the, on the other hand, do you, don't you think that maybe it might be a little bit better if you did have uh, sort of unions on both sides. If you had the white collar unions um, on the Democratic side and you had the blue collar unions on the Republican side, do you think maybe that might force some sort of consensus inadvertently, like legislation wise? You could. Yeah. It, it's something.
you know, where you have better labor protections just because, you know, it benefits, um, you know, machinists in Alabama, but also like the Chicago Teachers Union or whatever, you know. Um, I mean, yeah, that that's a possibility as well. Yeah. And I, I just looking at the midterm elections, like you see how much of what's driving is the culture war kind of narrative, which to me is so empty and doesn't it's just not in touch with reality. Like people's real needs have to do with their work, their ownership, their property rights, um, like how I identify, what all these things. Like I don't know. So I just I mean transitioning into that topic. I'm curious to hear like what are some of your hot takes, some of the some of the things that you've noticed over this last week with the elections before we get to like specific people. Yeah, I mean, I think the Democrats did much better than anybody expected, more than I expected, honestly. Um and yeah, I think it's because in part partially because of the Roe versus Wade um, overturning, I think Republicans underestimated how many people actually support abortion rights to a certain point. Um, because the thing is, is if you are not um, a very religious person, which even in you know, a lot of parts of the South, you know, everybody's a Baptist or a Methodist or, or whatever, but not everybody actually, you know, goes to church, you know. Um, and even if you feel sort of like morally um, uneasy about abortion, actually banning it, I think, is like a different thing. And it, when you have like a total ban, I mean, that's just, I think, going further than the average American actually believes. I don't think that most people in this country are like, yeah, you should be able to have an abortion like in the third trimester or whatever. I mean, I don't even think you should be able to uh, unless there's like extreme like medical emergency or something. And, you know, I'm not a particularly like religious person. Um, and they, I think they've just kind of, it's like the dog that caught the car and now the car ran over them and um, they're just kind of stuck with it. I don't think it's all abortion. I, I do think that some of the can there's extreme candidate quality issues. Uh, it's just really one of the worst uh, sets of candidates I've ever seen. Um, you know, Herschel Walker, um, Blake Masters didn't really do well as much as people, some of the people that I, you know, have hired me to work for them would like to believe. Uh, yeah, um, J.D. Vance kind of surprised, honestly, that he, I, I, I actually, I went, I'm not surprised because I saw the polls, but I mean, I think his entire, his whole book was just like, I don't know, I, I grew up in a similar way to J.D. Vance, um, and I feel like if I had written that sort of book, just airing out my white trash family's dirty laundry, like, you would have never found my body, you know, mm. but <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, Dr. Oz, clear, clearly a carpetbagger. People don't fucking like that. Um, people don't like hypocrisy. People don't like it when you you know pay for like six abortions or whatever and then say that nobody else should be able to to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just, it wasn't a good, good night for Republicans. And I think I, I'm seeing a lot of like saltiness about it online from the right. And it's just, you know, you reap what you sow. And um everybody kind of gets got what they deserved i think a little bit um in, in terms of this election i mean you can't national wins still mean a lot but like candidate quality does still matter and i think a lot of people have like forgotten that or they think it doesn't matter because of like trump and 
Trump had a lot of qualities, I think, that endeared people to him that, you know, somebody like Dr. Oz or Herschel Walker just don't have. Um, which I know that's going to run off. He didn't exactly lose, but he definitely didn't win either. Um, but what about on the left? Do you see quality there? Quality I don't really see quality, but I see like they came across as like, like John Fetterman, I think, came across as actually from Pennsylvania, which ain't for nothing. <laughs> um, I think Reverend Warnock came across as, you know, a sort of fairly normal person like a familiar um sort of character uh you know like a southern black minister that's somebody that you know people from georgia can uh, can understand and can relate to and feel you know even if they don't necessarily agree with him on everything they're like well i know this type of guy you know what i mean mm -hmm. um none of them really spoke out as like spectacular like the future of the democratic party or anything as much as people are trying to make gretchen whitmer you know uh, i think New York Times is sort of like saying she's a successor to Biden, which I mean, maybe they're right because she's is equally, you know, boring. Um, but I think that's kind of the Democrat strategy right now is to be a little bit boring and to see whether or not the American public will take the sort of boring status quo over chaos. And there's a lot of chaos and instability stemming from the Republican Party right now. And um I think if you're not somebody who wants to see the world burn, that's who you're going to be attracted to. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, first, I should just give a disclaimer that, like, I don't take any of this seriously. Like, I feel like it's all, at least on the, the state and the national level, like, most of it to me is a psyop. Like, I really don't think many of these people genuinely intend to, like, be real politicians. I think it's just becoming a show. It's coming becoming part of the media cycle so like i don't i'm just no, i mean it's fantasy football for me really yeah. i mean it's kind of you know um i don't i don't think it's actually going to translate into any transformative change it is kind of you know just a horse race but sometimes it's interesting to see where the horse race how it turns out i guess i don't know i mean because i don't care i tend to find like i'm finding what the democrats are doing like sticking to this kind of boring traditional politician kind of um trend it's like well what good is that like if this is a show if this is entertainment then like you're not entertaining us at least i don't know maybe they don't want the, but that's maybe the thing is like maybe people are sort of worn out from the entertainment aspect of like trump and none of them were really as like DeSantis. like i mean he won but he won it against charlie chris which is just, i mean like terry shivo could have gotten like the same vote margin that he did i mean it's just like he's a brand dead person I think, mm -hmm. like, none of the Republicans, except for maybe um, um, Herschel Walker, were really that entertaining. And he was only entertaining because he's, you know, got brain damage and a chaotic gay son who turned on him. Um, so, that, I mean, that was very, you know, real housewives, whatever. But it's not exactly the same as, like, Trump, who's actually charismatic and funny, regardless of whether or not you like him. It is, like... If you haven't giggled like at a Trump tweet, like you're not a human, you know? Yeah. Um, no, it's true. I mean, none of them, because I mean, Trump, whether you like him morally, politically or not, like he's a comedic genius. He, he is. is, you know, he's his own brand of drag queen. I think he understands mm -hmm. camp in a way that drag queens don't. He's just, he's everything. And yeah, I think these Republicans are trying to like follow his example. And of course, they don't have the, the means to pull it off. But I think, yeah, what I'm seeing on the right is that 
they're they're just reacting. It's pure reaction to what the left is doing. So like when you look at DeSantis and the whole anti-woke thing, it's like that's not a position. Like you're creating this perform this performance, this persona that is pure reaction to the right. And it's absurd. Like it makes no sense. There's nothing coherent about it. But that's why I think it's interesting because they're reflecting the absurdity, the chaos of the culture back to us. This, you know, desperate attempt to go back to real politicians on the left. It's like, sure, that might give us this false sense of hope, but we're never going back there. So that's why I'm like, you know what, let it burn. We're already burning. Don't mm -hmm. think we're going back. Again, this is my hyperbolic, like, you know, apocalyptic position, which may not be totally true, but I don't know. That's that's what I'm seeing in all this. Like, they just want to make it burn, let it keep going. At least we get a show out of it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, but tell me more about DeSantis since you voted for him. Like, what, what do you see going on there? Again, I, I really just voted for him because he was running against Charlie Chris, who I just find he's, he's new money trash from Central Florida. He's closeted gay. He, like, I just, there's so many things I don't like about him. Um, I do think that, um, weirdly, like, DeSantis has actually been good in some respects that really only matter, I guess, in Florida. He's been, like, fairly good on, like, the environment, which is, um, Kind of interesting um i i but i don't think he can beat trump i don't particularly like him in any sort of way i i think he's the elizabeth warren of the republican party i he appeals to on a national level anyway he appeals to the sort of like wonkish um college educated sort of like dc right it's like you know if you remember back in 2016, it was like the pitch for Elizabeth Warren, it was basically like um, Bernie, but with a plan, you know, it's like in a record or whatever. It's like, that's what DeSantis is trying to do. It's like, he's Trump, but with plans. Mm -hmm. um, as I, that's how I sort of see him. It's like, he's got the anti-woke plan or whatever, which is just like writing a sort of confusing law about like, you know what you're allowed to don't talk about like trans shit in like kindergarten or whatever which i'm like i don't know if that was really that big of a problem um but i think he sort of represents this thing i'm seeing on the right which i don't really like because i think it's sort of takes the sort of trolley um sort of thing that we saw from like trump like they want to be trolls but they're too sincere they're too earnest to actually be funny and so they actually end up just becoming mean and um like you can see the sanctimony that's why like i actually thought ron de sanctimonious was good because i'm like no he is sanctimonious he is you know um he actually does think like um it's you know morally repellent to have like um a gender goblin like first grade teacher or whatever um instead of just you know it being like aesthetically annoying <laughs> um oh yeah no i mean this is i, I totally agree with what you're saying yeah why they don't pull off the trump thing because trump does not trump is amoral like he doesn't have any convictions like that it's like it's pure performance art it's pure aesthetics and that's why he's a genius because he totally throws everything off like the false sincerity the like the republicans can't be true trolls because they do care or at least they think they care yeah Ron DeSantis would never like have Tiny Dancer playing in the background and be talking about <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg and be like, what? She died? Well, 
She was a great woman, whether you agreed or not. I like memorized that entire thing. It's so fucking funny. And like, they will never have that because they're just such earnest little fucking pricks. Um, and, you know, like, at a certain point, it's just like, okay, you're just doing like agitprop. You're just doing like um, the sort of like, they're becoming leftists, I think, in a lot of ways. They're becoming yeah. like the sort of like, cringy kind of like 2020 blm sort of like leftist where it's like racist woman shut down in bird park or whatever you know um or bird watching whatever whatever that poor woman who you know oh yeah got fired for i don't know telling a black guy to watch his dog or something i don't i don't even yeah. fucking remember but just it's becoming yeah just like um black woman shuts down racist and starbucks or whatever but for the right yeah. and people found that annoying which is why the right did well. And now they're just becoming that. And they're putting off people in this country who, you know, don't really care that much about it. Like, I think there is a certain level of like some of the, the gender stuff that people are uncomfortable with. I think there's a certain level of, you know, abortion. Like, you know, there's like an extreme position on abortion that people on the left that people are uncomfortable with. But like, I think that at the end of the day, like people kind of don't really think about it that much. And unless it's like right in front of their face or they're just like consuming loads of TikTok all that much, like they're not really in that sort of world, you know? Yeah. No, and I mean, that's the thing that the, like the left controls the narrative of the right, because if the right insists on being purely reactionary and not coming up with anything original, then inevitably like the left determines what direction the right is going to go in. And then it's to their own demise. Um, so I don't know. I the like the only thing I find valuable is the entertainment value, the aesthetics of it. Because yeah, it's entertaining, but it's gonna get and unless you can learn to get on Trump's level, like it's gonna get old after a while. Yeah. And you have to have charisma and personality to do that. And that's that's innate. You can't teach that. You can try to mimic it, but then it just comes across as sort of like grotesque. Yeah. And mm. was Trump on your radar before he got into politics? Like did you ever like really follow his his career? Um, I mean, not really. Like, I just saw him kind of like in passing on TV or um, whatever. I remember like the birther stuff or whatever when he was like saying that he was uh, Obama was like a Kenyan. Um, but yeah, that was really all, you know, just like a general. I mean, I was in high school, so I mean, I when all that was happening, I think twenty twenty election. Well, would I have been or no sorry 2016 election I would have been 20 when that happened so yeah yeah I was kind of too young I think because uh, I got hooked on him through The Apprentice like I would watch it religiously and Celebrity Apprentice and then I just like I, I remember in like middle school and high school I did all these reports on him because I was enamored by persona like I knew there was something very provocative something campy about him and like when he decided to run at first i was like oh this is a joke this is you know and then i was like oh shit okay it's happening but wait it's the same thing like this is all part of his performance art and if people understood him and like understood his presidency within the the context of his broader career like you see like this is a master performance artist like he's really incredibly funny um i don't know I think people need to watch The Apprentice, especially The Celebrity Apprentice, because like then you understand everything that he does. Yeah. 
No, I, I, I need to actually, because I never watched it whenever it was out. Um, yeah, they're like these YouTube compilations that are awesome, but mm -hmm. yeah. My favorite moment was when he said on the Wendy Williams show that he was going to run. And it's like, this is the perfect moment of like two camp icons coming together. It's like, yeah. Wendy Williams should run. I mean, that, I have a, that's my theory, though. The Democrats need to get us like a ridiculous celebrity. Like, I think they should get Oprah. Not that I like her, but I think she could give Trump a run for his money because she's she's not a politician. She's an entertainer. She's a celebrity. That would be fun. I would watch that debate. Is Oprah camp enough, though? Would she no. be able to throw it back? I don't think she'd be able to no. throw it back. Wendy Williams. Lindsay could. RuPaul could. I th Well, RuPaul's, um, I think, has dementia, but like <laughs> RuPaul a couple of years ago could have um, really thrown it back. I don't think people would have elected a drag queen president. Well, I mean, they kind of did with Trump. They but... did. But that they did. Um, yeah, Wendy, I don't, I feel like she wouldn't last because she doesn't have, uh, she doesn't have it. There's something missing there. Tyra, maybe, I don't know. I think they need to get a campy woman. Visage? Which one? Michelle Visage. Mm, could work. Could work. It needs to, it needs to be like a drag queen with a lot of like gusto, like oh, one of these strong drag queens. Like Wendy Williams, she had all these surgeries. She's gonna collapse at some point from like botulism. I don't know. She has that weird leg thing. Yeah, she I mean she fainted on the show a couple of times. Like I don't I don't know if she can handle the debate, but I just I do think that's the only way the Democrats can really give Trump a run for his money. Either that or they just destroy him with these like Or they um, get Rosie O'Donnell. They get his arch nemesis who really I mean they're both up there talking about 9-11. <laughs> you know, like uh, they're like, well, I'm a grad. I'm glad days. we agree, Mr. President. You know? Yeah, I remember when he there called was something shady about that. That was um <laughs> No, what was the line was like he said something about I feel bad for Rosie's wife. It was like, what must it feel like to go home and tell your parents I'm getting married to a fat pig? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those, those, I mean, that's why Trump is, you know. Yeah. No, I, I have been campaigning for years to get Rosie back on The View. I'm like, we need somebody talking about Tower 7 at 9 a.m. again. Wait, like, that was when we were good for, country. Why was she canceled? I think it was for the 9-11 stuff. Because she just kept going on and on about it. She was like, Jeff, we can't melt steam beams. Like, they'd just be talking about, like, <laughs> the the White House Easter roll. And she's like, steel beams, you know? <laughs> just like, she just kept going on and on about it. Well, she said um, something racist once that got her in trouble about Chinese. Oh, about the Chinese. Yeah, I think. Yeah. She was like making fun of the way a Chinese person spoke. Yeah. She was like doing ching chong, ching chong, and they like got pissed yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They didn't like that. Um, but that was like, I don't know if she got canceled for that because it was the early odds. You could kind of be a little racist back then. Oh, and, like, it really didn't exist yet. But yeah. Poor Rosie. First, she had to come out, and now, you know, she just never gets a break. I know. Or being a white lesbian out there. Yeah. Um, so, no, yeah. Do you think she would come back as a turf? That would be a good comeback. That would, yeah, that would get her attention. Yeah. She's like, like, I'm the last butch lesbian in New York. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that would be entertaining. Or Rosie. So, no, other, um, other right wing people that are on your radar, any. Um, I think that Candace Owens could actually do pretty well because I don't think that she has. Like I heard um, <laughs> Matt Walsh on, uh, I was listening to his interview on Joe Rogan mm -hmm. and it was just him and Joe going back and forth forever on um, like abortion or no, no, it wasn't even abortion. It was on gay marriage. They were going back and forth. Is and I was Joe like, Rogan like gay marriage? 
yeah he supports it and like joe rogan is just like a 2006 like liberal like at the end of the day like he's really not a conservative i don't think at all no um and all of like matt wall because joe rogan was taking the american sort of position of like okay like there's a difference between kind of like you know i guess like the civil realm and like the religious realm and he was like you know this is a marriage is a civil institution it's like something that we as a society kind of like made up so we can change the definition this came from like a conversation on like the trans thing where they were kind of like you know he had uh, walsh had the what is a woman thing or whatever mm-hmm. and he was trying to basically say that like gay marriage was the same thing as like like redefining marriage is the same thing as like redefining a woman or what a woman means or whatever and joe rogan wasn't really buying that because he was like you know there's marriage is actually like a social and like legal construct there's no biological thing marriage really you know um and i don't know i just felt like the argument it was just he just came across as very autistic uh walsh did and sort of like trying to reason he was like no it's like um it's like a biological thing because it leads to reproduction and joe rogan was like yeah but like people who can't who are old or who are like infertile can still get married and like people we don't force people to have children when they get married and like you can have children out of wedlock and they still have the same rights as everybody else and like you can tell that like clearly matt walsh just has this like very like catholic like idea of like a church marriage and you know the only contraception you can use is like the pull out method or whatever and like that's just not how americans really think about marriage at all like normal ones and um credit to the chapos i think it's specifically for like felix Biederman. he's like you know a lot of these like right-wing guys like they're losing the normal whites and i'm like yeah i think like if you're losing joe rogan like joe rogan even though he's a millionaire is kind of like a normal white in his sort of perceptions it's like he's kind of left-wing kind of right-wing but at the end of the day he's basically just kind of like an individualist yeah. not like an extreme one but you know um but I think Candace Owens doesn't really have that sort of religious impulse. She's never struck me as that. I don't really know. I'm sure she claims to be like a Christian or whatever, but she is very charismatic. Um, you think so? And I think so. I find her vapid. Like, I just think she's a puppet. Well, maybe I, I kind of like that in a woman. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, no, I think in that sense, they're sure, but she's very she's very forced i I find that she's like she can be agreeable when she wants to and she can also really turn the screws on people when she needs to but do you think she actually thinks like i just feel like they feed her things to say and then she says it's like here black women represent our agenda like i don't think she actually maybe but she does a pretty good job of like making it seem like that's what she actually believes most of the time from what i've seen like it does it comes across as more genuine than the sort of um hillary clinton version of that which is just like you know reading from a teleprompter i don't know because kenneth owens said she used to be a liberal and and i'm like okay you probably realize there's less jobs for you in liberal media because you know there are plenty of i don't want to say this because i'm gonna get canceled like you know there's a significant amount of black women in liberal on liberal kind of channels and right, she's yeah, like, oh, yeah. there are no black women on republican right wing so let me make a career there so i'll just say what they tell me to say like i don't find that she has there's nothing spicy there's nothing original i just feel like she's a puppet reading off the script i don't know maybe i'm not, con- I'm not convinced but again i could see why that's also appealing at the same time but 
Yeah. I, I enjoyed her debate with Cornell West on Fox News. That was, I mean, I, more because of Cornell West, but yeah, I like him. Yeah. Them together was interesting. Um, but yeah, with Daily Wire, I just, I find it funny in an ironic way for the same reasons like DeSantis. Like they're funny, but they're not, they think they're serious. With Trump, he knows he's being funny, he doesn't mean any of it. But yeah. they're like, yes, the liberal agenda. And also just affectively the way they speak. Like Ben Shapiro is annoying as hell. Like who yeah. wants to listen to him speaking? It's so obnoxious. Yeah, he doesn't have a voice for radio. And I don't really either, but it's also not my job. You're not like starting a thing like Daily Wire. And, you know, yeah. it's, I just, there's no sense of irony. Like it's only ironic for the viewer, for them. I'm just like, you're not funny. You're funny because we're, we can laugh at you, but I don't know yeah i i don't think any of them really have the the same level of uh, charisma on campus as trump do but i would say like sort of out of the daily wire people maybe candace owens i don't really i think tucker carlson if it was an open primary without trump i think he could win a republican primary i don't know if he could win a general election i think um, he's distinct he's i think he's really interesting mm -hmm. uh, i don't know I think he's also clearly a, like, I, I don't know how much he actually, because he's gone through so many ideological iterations, mm -hmm. which, so, you know, some people do that and it's genuine. But I don't know. It's like when he's like citing like Fed Post guys or whatever, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's like, it, it just, it feel, it does feel weird to like see people on Tucker that like, I've been mutuals with for on Twitter for like years yeah. and like who's like podcasts I've been on and shit. You know what I mean? Like it's um it's interesting to see mm -hmm. that sort of like internet mind go on like a show that my grandma watches. Um, yeah, so. I don't know. I mean, I don't get the sense when I'm watching him that he's just a performance artist. Like I I feel like he's an actual guy who's has his own thoughts, who's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I don't watch him that much, but sometimes I'm just like, oh, well, like this guy's a little bit different. There's something there. I find him interesting. Yeah, I do feel like he he's not funny like Trump is. Mm -hmm. um, and he does tend to he has the, sort of the DeSantis thing of like sinking into sanctimony a little bit, which I don't know if that would appeal to a non right wing audience as well. Um, yeah, but you never know. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as people like Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, I don't really see them doing, I don't think because they're so religious, I don't think that they'll be able to go any farther than they've already gone. Because I mean, whether people like it or not, it's a fairly secular culture, even among sort of conservative people now. Yeah, um, it's, it's just the way it is. Have, do you have any thoughts on Megyn Kelly at all? Um, I haven't really listened to her. I, I listened to her interview with the Red Scare Girls and it came across yeah, as awkward. Right? Wasn't it? Because she felt... was like, trying to be cool and down with them. But I was like, you don't understand what's going on here. No, no, no. Again, you don't understand like, the essence of Red Scare like at all. Yeah, like I just... Um, that watching that interview is when I first really understood like the rest of these right wing kind of talking heads do not understand irony as like an aesthetic kind of device. Mm -hmm. Trump was the only one because like she was trying to like get Red Scare's humor. I was like, no, you really just don't understand what's happening at all. No. 
and it also seemed like she had just like read like their wikipedia or something like you know she did so you're like you're like left wing and they're like well not anymore (laughs) this is this is what megan kelly did which pissed me off she read my article on the american conservative she basically you like scrolled through that during that entire interview and just like pulled each paragraph Oh, that really? And at the very end, she's like, "Oh yeah, this article in American Conservative." And I was like, "Could you say my name, please?" <laughs> Credit followers please. my way. Of course not. Um, anyway, no, but like she read, I remember, she literally read the line that I put about the dirtbag leftist. She didn't understand at all what that meant. She was like, "Oh, that's a kind of funny term, don't you think?" I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Anyway, so Megan Kelly pissed me off, and she's just—I don't feel bad for her for getting canceled for the uh, what was it, the blackface thing? whatever she's not she got canceled she had an envy at first she was on fox and she like challenged trump for being sexist and then the liberals liked her so she, she got, went to nbc yeah and then she said something about blackface being okay and then they canceled her and now she's just a mess so i don't feel sorry she doesn't stand for anything so yeah. <laughs> she's just too um like 2006 like news anchor voice yeah i i don't um, really that sort of diction i i just it doesn't really appeal to me. You know what pissed me off the most? I remember early on in her Fox days when, um, so there was something about these like health insurance companies were forcing Catholic hospitals to provide like contraception and abortion. And this, like there was a hospital run by nuns and they didn't want to do it. So then it was in the news and she brought on some liberal commentator and she's like, first of all, do you know what it means to be a Catholic? Let me tell you something. Being Catholic is not for wusses. And I was like, what the hell? Like, that's just i mean sure it's not for wusses but like what person goes around saying like my religion's not for wusses um like jesus wouldn't have said that he's like i don't know i just thought she was dumb from that moment also to me it's not i don't know the way i grew up it was just like if you're i guess where i grew up anyway it was like if you're a catholic it just means you're a yankee or a mexican you know (laughs) like my great grandma was catholic yankee she was from iowa you know, she was like French Canadian, German, or no, her husband was German. She was French Canadian. Yeah. And they were just kind of like the weirdos in the family because they had like crucifixes and like um, idolatrous <laughs> um, Madonna and child statues and stuff in their trailer house. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like a super serious thing, you know. Yeah. Um, That's her though. She has to make. She, she just tries to be funny and entertaining, but really doesn't pull it off very well. But it's, it's annoying because she tries so hard. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Okay. okay. So, no, the other one I was going to ask you about. So, we mentioned Herschel Walker. What about Christian Walker? Do you follow his social media? Uh, I do. I, well, I follow him on Twitter. I don't really use Instagram, but all this stuff gets reposted. Even if I didn't follow him, I would. I like how you link to his uh, to his Instagram as if I wouldn't be aware of who he is. Yeah, um, his Instagram. No, I'm I'm a big fan of um, Christian. I think he's he's very camp. Um, he's a wood for me. I've said that before. Not a proud wood necessarily, but a wood nonetheless. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just he's made for TV. I mean. That is that the Daily Wire should stop making all those shitty like Christian movies. As, as somebody who comes from the evangelical Protestant background, we're not meant to do that. No, like that's for Jews no. and esoteric Catholics. Like let them do their job. Sure. You know what I mean? It's we, we yeah. can be like the grips or whatever. Like that's that's what we're good for. So stop giving them money, Ben Shapiro, if you're listening, and give that's Christian crazy. Walker a reality TV show. Yeah, uh, Christian Walker. 
I, I'm fine. I want to see him and Sarah Huckabee Sanders going through a Starbucks together. Yeah, that would be a good show. <laughs> and he's goading her into saying something extremely offensive. <laughs> I do think he needs to mix up his repertoire, though, because it's extremely formulaic. Because all his videos are is like some stupid things that liberals do, goes to Starbucks, and then he starts screaming really loud. And I'm like, he's trying to play up this whole stereotypical gay obnoxious thing. But I'm like, okay, but if you're actually going to play that up then you have to like part of that obnoxious gay thing is saying witty like very intelligent remarks not just screaming about people being stupid like like it's cute for a couple videos but then it's like okay are you going to say something or are you just going to be like liberals are stupid and starbucks and florida like it's the same thing every time well i like i like it when he's like what happened to men (laughs) it's like baby (laughs) you know um uh, uh yeah i mean he does need to mix it up a little bit um i've seen him i've seen him turn the screws on people before it's he doesn't do it quite as much um i would like to see more drama more infighting mm-hmm. um like when we he went all on all in on his dad i was glued to my phone i was like i need every update every video that came out i'm like immediately just watching it over and over do you think it's um, or do you think which it's I'm true? kind of impressed by that? I'm like, okay, maybe so this this is what attracts me to Christian Walker is that he's clearly not like a reliable he's not going to be a reliable tool of the right as I mean he couldn't be a reliable tool of his father's own campaign, you know? Um so there's some volatility there that I think could be very entertaining. Yeah. You know? But do you think he did it for publicity or he's actually mad? I think probably both. He did seem actually genuinely pissed off. And I mean, like, you know, I can, gay daddy issues can manifest in a lot of ways. Sure. Um, and I think that's kind of what we were saying. It was all very, like, Freudian to me. Yeah. Um, and that's what made it seem kind of more real. Because I, I don't think what he did was, what he did wasn't popular on the right, which is his main audience. Mm. And I don't think that doing that alone is enough to, like, make him some sort of liberal media darling i think it genuinely was he's just like a faggot who can't keep his fucking mouth shut but and, do, do people um, on the right actually like him though because his whole spiel is like an obnoxious black gay man who's supposed to be a liberal but he oh wait what's he gonna say he's gonna say something conservative shocker but do they actually like him or are they like oh he's a dirty faggot i don't know um i do conservatives even really like him i feel like it's just no, like yeah. gay people that Gay people like Little Miss Christian. You know what I mean? Even like <laughs> they do. Yeah, I, but I don't know. I feel like Ben Shapiro would give him a show. Maybe. I well, I would watch it. I would, but we know a better show would be him and Billy Eichner together oh, in yeah. the street. It should be Billy and Christian. Kennedy and Holmes. Yeah. And I that I would watch because that's the thing. Like Billy Eichner, as much as he's become retarded, like he's genuinely hilarious like he's a smart witty funny person christian walking out so much but together and then they could like argue with each other about politics that i would watch no yeah because when it, I, the few times i've seen christian walker try to debate it does come off he does shut down well it was with um hassan which i feel like there was again some gay psychology there like he was like yeah i mean <laughs> like i'm just like oh you just like you, it's like a hot man and so you're like i can't like the just uh need to impress and like be submissive on a certain level just like kicked in it was like the, i was one of the most bottom brained uh displays i've ever seen <laughs> in political entertainment 
Um, but yeah, I mean, they could have him or they could have um, maybe like a nice liberal gay, like a, a nice, calm, um, swifty, uh, target-scented candle homosexual <laughs> like Chastin Buttigieg just go on a road trip together. Okay, like Christian Walker and Chastin Buttigieg rent a car and drive up the coast and it's just a live feed. Like, I would like to see that. Yeah, I, I think that Chastin would cry, I think, <laughs> you know? Like, then there would be some sort of moment where they're, like, praying together in a Denny's. Yeah. Like, I think, like, it could be great. should pitch it somewhere. It could do very well. Yeah. Certainly. So Christian Walker, we'll see what happens to him. Um, on the other hand, on the left hand, um, AOC, I mean, I... I don't know. I do find her entertaining, but in a similar reason why I find people on the right entertaining. Because she's earnest. I don't know. The whole, like, Latina thing is... Um... Is she earnest, though? Well, I feel like she, in her mind, she is being earnest. Yeah, that's, But she's that's such why. a performer. That's why, but that's what she has in common with... I do think the right tends to be more outwardly performative, but they think that they're for real. And with her, too, like... I don't know. Like I love the performative Latina kind of stuff. Like with the yeah, you know, yeah, her like from the Estalla Biblioteca. Yeah, the <laughs> at the bodega. Um, she speaks Spanish like a white girl who just got back from Barcelona. She just like, learned Spanish. Yeah, she's yeah. Um, which well, is it's I don't know. To me, it's at first I was like, is this just how like they because i i've never been to new york i don't know no. what the latinos what are, are like up there i grew up in yeah, texas no. where it's like if you're like even like second generation like they just don't speak spanish and vote for trump you know what i mean like yeah no. they're like the mexicans where i grew up are just they're just rednecks like everybody else yeah um, i mean bronx puerto ricans and dominicans you can tell she stands out and yeah i mean especially puerto ricans like first and second generation assimilated for the most part, but just in terms of the way she carries herself, her posturing really has become very, sorry to say, a white girl. Um, no, she gets very, her voice is very almost gratingly white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much like I went to Oberlin, you know. Yeah, but um, I think, I feel like Red Scare's take on her was the, the best one. Like she's, you know, the archetypal narcissistic millennial who will do anything for attention, mm -hmm. um, but will make it seem like it's out of some moral kind of cause. But. yeah um yeah you told me to look at her campaign video yeah i love these campaign videos there because again it's super performative like she's you know one of the latinas in the barrio and you know she's for the working people and yeah she's it's she's cute. in a bodega with like you know there's a rat on the counter and yeah. not really but like you know more like a um, cat. there's always a cat there but yeah she's no it's i love this is the other video that i put is when she um there's the town hall meeting recently and you had these right-wing people playing a drum. And it was, I think it was a Hispanic guy playing a drum. And they were like, AOC has got to go. And she starts dancing. But you can see she has no rhythm at all. <laughs> like, you clearly have not spent time in the Bronx at block parties, like, dancing salsa. Because if you did, you could actually dance. But no. I she like also it. how she's, like, um, done the, like, 23 and me, like, breaking down her Puerto Rican ancestry into, like, she was, like, talking in front of, I don't know, it was, like, some Jewish organization. And she was like, you know, I'm a little bit Sephardic. And they were like, we knew it, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, how? What? No. And then, um, yeah, and then she was like, you know, as Puerto Ricans, we're, uh, you know, part Black. And I'm like, maybe some of you, but I don't know about you, girl, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's also just like, that's not, even if you are, that's not like, 
I have more visibly black people in my family in, you know, podunk like East Texas than AOC does. Um, but she, yeah, I loved her, how it was shot in this just like mm -hmm. um, super high death, you know. Yeah. Um, the cuts were very like cinematic. And I'm like, this is just too much for an ad in a safe district. I'm like, you don't even have to do that. You just send like some direct mail flyers and you'll be good. Um, some consultants really had their way with her. Um, it was kind of nice, like as a Southerner, though, it was kind of nice to see like a political ad where somebody's not shooting at something, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, I see. So, no, so predictions for 2024. What do, what do you think? What's going to happen? Um, I think Biden will run again if he's not dead. Really? No yeah, he did too well in the midterms. Like cool. everybody that was like saying all these little like snakes like Buttigieg and, and all them, like they're not going to be able to come out of their rocks in 2024 after the midterm performance because he did historically well. Like you almost always, I what they might lose the house by one vote. I mean, that's that's unheard of for a midterm in the first cycle. Um, They're probably going to hold on to the Senate, I think. Um, So I think he's, if he is alive, he will run um because who like if he doesn't run if he for whatever reason doesn't decide to run or dies and if the secret service is listening i'm just saying it's because he's an old old man um or if he you know is un you know has a heart attack or you know is unwell in some way and can't run um i think kamala will be the designated successor i don't think i think they would have a hard time you know Mm. being like oh you're not gonna let the you know first black woman vp like that will be hanging out it's it's like a sort of damocles hanging over their head because she's a terrible candidate but i mean she's there they put her there and she meets like the democratic like the demographic profile of like what you know has become their entire thing which is just sort of like elite minorities um mm. so I, I, but I think that people will run against her. I think Buttigieg will run against her. I think Gretchen Whitmer maybe will run against, would run against her in that situation. Um, what about Marianne Williams? Williams. What's her name? I mean, she could run. I don't think she would. She would win. I would vote for Marianne. Yeah. I think we need like a. Um, for God. Yeah, we need like a crystal, like witchy Fleetwood Mac <laughs> type woman yeah. in the White House. I think that would really healed the divide in this country she I should know. go back like her she should have not given it she should have been like yeah i am an anti-vaxxer you know <laughs> what i mean like i think she could have really like made a coalition there um because now like the all that hippie shit is like going to the right like all of these people who are like talking about seed oils and vaccines and um you know weird diets and all that like primitive uh living off the land type shit like that mm -hmm used to be a very like hippie countercultural quasi left-wing thing and now it's like going to like the esoteric right and it's like we're doing all of this shit but we're also um you know tr traditional catholics yeah um and marianne could have stopped that i think yeah we'll see i mean i think that the democrats are going to do their very work their very hardest to get trump to not run by destroying him legally speaking yeah yeah i think they may try to indict him and yeah but can I don't know. I don't know how that will work constitutionally and legally and politically and I don't know. I mean I think we just kinda have to wait and see. Yeah. Um 
I think AOC might if if Biden doesn't run, I think AOC might try to run if she's old enough, which I think she will be. Oh, uh, I think so. You think so? Yeah. Um, because she's just there's nobody else really in that lane. I think they'll have because Bernie will be too old to run. I don't think Elizabeth Warren would run again. I think like there has to be somebody in like the progressive lane to throw their hat in. Um, Ilan Omar wasn't born in America, so she can't do it. I don't think Rashida Tlaib. Um, was she born in Palestine or here? I don't oh, remember. No. Um, if she can run, I don't think that she would. Um, so Wendy I mean, Williams. she's kind of their only option, really. I think Wendy Williams is the best option. <laughs> I do too. When she is she still in rehab? God knows. Her life's been falling apart, but this might be her comeback. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So well, we soon shall find out. But other topics. Um, no, I want to ask you about some of the stuff you've been writing about lately. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit. You've had some stuff on porn. What are some of your hot takes there? <laughs> um. Well, I wrote an article for Pirate Wires, which is Mike Solana's Substack, about I investigated this subculture of gay slash bisexual question mark um, guys who are really into straight porn and seem to be using it as some sort of like hypnotic mm-hmm. um, therapeutic sort of thing to like turn themselves straight or make themselves more straight. Um, it's called Coomer conversion therapy. Okay. Um, I think it's like pinned on my Twitter um, if you want to check it out. But yeah, I just sort of like came somehow like something related to that. Like I got tweeted onto my timeline. I sort of went through a rabbit hole and mm-hmm. I interviewed a couple of people about it. And um my sort of take is that there's really not a social place for male bisexuality in American culture. There's really no sort of like mode for that to operate through once you've sort of like lived a, a gay lifestyle. Um, it becomes sort of totalizing in a way and like you can't really like break away from that, even if you are actually attracted to women or you, you know, want to have like a traditional life and you know my sort of theory is that like you know there used to be all of these guys who back in the day were kind of happy with the you know norman rockwell life with a twink on the side um you know sort of closeted thing where you have a wife and a family and you know a couple of times a year you have like a friend that you go camping with or you know or you like get jerked off to the ymca or whatever um as uncomfortable as it is i guess to talk about now i think that actually is kind of the ideal situation for a lot of people and it's really not a possibility anymore um for people like in our generation who come out when they're like 17 18 19 years old um and especially in social media you know the social media area it's always going to be there like you can't really mm-hmm. uh, just like move to a new town and kind of escape it like you maybe could if you would come out as gay in like the 90s or something um, did you see um palia put in uh do you read palia at all first of all i have one of her uh books it's like a collection of essays i got um god what is her seminal uh sexual persona sexual persona yeah i got that from like university library before i dropped out of grad school and i read uh like a chapter or two of it but i had to return it i didn't have time to finish it um so i was working on other stuff but I've read a bit of her work and I've listened to some of her lectures and stuff. I think she's an interesting figure. Because she has the essay No Law in the Arena in the book Vamps and Tramps and she talks about the whole like 
ideal, she calls it, of bisexual responsiveness. And she was saying that like now with just the way the whole sexual orientation thing has unfolded that, you know, it's virtually impossible for someone to like go both ways. But also as she highlights this kind of Freudian causation theory that, you know, it's never been a thing in history for people to be exclusively homosexual. And that like, sure, there's always been people who would play around, but like, it's a sign of the times that it's like, you know, mm -hmm. you're encouraged to be just one to go mm -hmm. one way. I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot there. I do think there's something to the fact that people like have ousted Freud from the picture because like he, sure he was a lunatic, but he understood a lot of things. Yeah. I think with what you're saying about this trend, like it shows that like, yeah, the exclusive sexual orientation narrative is just, it's not very realistic. Right. And one of the things I cited was um, Mark, um, oh God, my mind just blanked. Mark Simpson, um, <laughs> who, uh, best known for like coining the term metrosexual who actually uh, i was on a podcast with him uh very early in my like writing um it's really cool to meet him he's a really great guy but he wrote a book or compiled a book of essays some of which were by him and some of which were by other people called anti-gay um in the 90s and the thing i quoted from him um i forget the exact quote but it's um basically saying like once um a man stops becoming a private homosexual becomes a public gay he takes on all of the um connotations of what gay means which may not necessarily like actually apply to him personally he's you know all of a sudden he um hates polyester blend shorts and loves kylie minogue and um um knew he was gay from uh you know the before the afterbirth was cold and, and whatever mm -hmm. and that's really just actually not true for like a lot of um for a lot of guys who call themselves gay um or would rather not um and i think in some ways that is what i was seeing too because a lot of the people i've interviewed they they just I, I, a lot of it came down to is like they didn't like gay culture um yeah interesting and they didn't like like they didn't like the idea of like what being gay meant and i think a lot of people would call that like internalized homophobia but i don't think that's really it because they didn't seem like to dislike the fact that they were attracted to men they seemed to dislike the fact of like what sort of gay meant and like how you have to live as like a gay man um which is a social construct and a fairly new one at that yeah mm. no and i mean this kind of leads to the last thing i wanted to ask you about with the thirst traps because i just like my whole thing when it comes to the way we talk about sexuality right now is that it's devoid of any like larger metaphysical cosmic consciousness like sex is just um i don't know it's just raw kind of instinctive pleasure and it, we lose sight of the fact that like it points to these forces larger than ourselves and i think when we kind of flatten the um i don't know when we flatten our perspective or our view of things people start to like they start to look to these kind of extreme whatever fringe interests or behaviors that try to capture something of the transcendent something that's beyond us so i think yeah and like that brand of foreign you see them trying to seek something and i this is like my whole thing with the thirst trap phenomenon um like it's clearly different from porn because porn is like it's very straightforward it's like people acting or displaying their body for the sake of arousal usually they're going to be compensated for it with thirst traps like it's very very much focused on the person posting more so than on who's seeing it because i think the poster is trying to fulfill some kind of deep existential need and sure like it, it feels good when people like it but they're not so much thinking about the person viewing it and their pleasure it's like what am i getting 
how am I like fulfilling some deep need? Um, then normally doesn't have a space to kind of breathe in the the kind of cultural narrative that we have. But I don't know. Like I'm curious to hear some of your thoughts. Like what what are thirst traps? Why are they like? What do they mean? What do they say about the culture? Well, I mean, it is kind of like instant validation. Um, it's a way for you to you know post a picture of yourself and then it's you know sort of like the slot machine response of like social media where it's like you get this many likes this many retweets this many comments this many dms um you know i think they're the idea of like sort of glamour um and being like you know back in like the 90s or whatever like in the era of like the supermodel like everybody wanted to kind of be them you know and it's like now you kind of can be them mm -hmm. um on a certain scale or even in like a it's equally large scale if you're hot enough or you can edit your photos well enough or or whatever um it's everybody wants a little taste of that um of that like glamour they want to be like validated but i also think there's like something else there which i've sort of personally felt which is that <clears throat> you know, the sort of fleetingness of, like, youth and, like, beauty a little bit. Like, if I feel like I, I'm, like, oh, like, I look really good today. Like, even if I don't post it, I'll still, like, if I'm, like, in the gym or something and I'm, like, oh, I look, I look good. Like, I'll, like, take a picture because I'm, like, one day I won't be hot. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, you have to, like, I like, and I'm not, like, trying to say, like, I'm, like, the hottest thing ever, but I'm, like, one day we'll be objectively uglier than I am now. You know, um, you yeah. will age, your body will sag, your body will deteriorate, you'll become weak. And like, I think there's like, um, a sort of like, it's in some ways like a desire for immortality. You want to like sort of encapsulate yeah. this moment of, in time and to be like, you know, at this moment or whatever, I am desirable, I am beautiful, I'm hot or whatever. And like, there's a need to, to preserve that um, because yeah. you know that one day you won't be. It's a Dorian Gray complex. Yeah. I think is, I don't know. I think it speaks to our times because there is this, um, there is this cult of youth of aesthetic beauty that like fears death, that fears the inevitability of aging and ugliness. Um, but it, that in itself is this like attempt to grasp at some kind of transcendent ideal of, you know, of beauty of something that lasts forever, even though we know like youthful looks are not going to um but i do think like my fascination is with the fact that like typically women will present themselves this way for men to look at but like the proliferation of men doing it even straight men it's like this isn't a this is not really a very masculine thing to be doing so i don't know i do think it, it represents a kind of feminization of men because like most men again especially straight men don't really give a shit about the, the dorian gray thing i don't know uh, in general, in general. I think the, like straight men still kind of want to be if you are like like if you compliment like a straight man on his selfie like he will be flattered you know what I mean but like would that have been the case it, like 50 or 100 years ago no I don't think so That's I think it's like something's different I mean on some level I think it might be like maybe less homophobia or whatever he's like I'm not gonna fuck you but like it still does I guess maybe feel like validating to think that like someone thinks you're hot because like women are like so sparing i feel like like i'll see like um i'll, I'll just see like really really hot like straight guys like post like thirst traps and then they get like 10 likes and i'm like if you were gay and you post that it'd be like 
you know what I, like you would be getting the like um the bottom menu postmates ad deal or whatever you know um like you would be like rob anderson you know like you could really like make a career out of just like being like a conventionally attractive like hot guy um but women are just i don't know they don't i think women do find like um thirst traps off-putting i don't like i think straight men it's kind of um it is kind of unbecoming i guess for straight men to do it a little bit um but i understand why i think it's like especially in like the sort of gym culture when you're working towards this ideal body you do want it validated in some way you know but that's why that's the thing worth it. why are you working out so much like is it purely for aesthetics for me it is i hate going to the gym but that's what I'm saying in general, though. Like, I feel like typically for men, that's not the case. Like, it's usually connected to either proving your strength or being able to get whatever your job is done better, um, assuming it's manual labor. But like, for the sake of pure aesthetics, I feel like that that's that's where you see a shift. Like, it's I think it's aesthetics all the way through, even if they claim it's not. I think they do want validation from if not necessarily just from women, from other like straight men who are just like, oh, I'm not going to fuck with that guy. It's not necessarily like a sexual thing. It's like uh, you, it's like a dominance sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like you want to be like big because that means that people won't fuck with you. Um, and like women will want to fuck you. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's so much to be, uh, so much to be said about it, but Anyway, so River Wenny, anything you want to plug before we wrap up? Um, yeah, you can follow my Substack, uh, Chain Smoking to Babylon. Uh, my Twitter is at river underscore is underscore nice. Um, yeah, and I have articles in American Affairs, Boston Globe Compact, um, Washington Examiner, just all over the place. So you can just Google them and and find them. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, thanks for for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me.